I, I want to look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And those of you that, that have been around here a few times or that have, have had the opportunity um, to hear me speak, you know I'm, I'm, I'm typically what we would call an expository preacher. A topical, topical preaching is where you kind of take an idea and then you surround that idea with verses and illustrations to, to make that work. And that's the easy way to, to say that. Expository preaching is where we take a passage of scripture, usually a verse to two or three, and we would break that down and really dig into to learn what that means. Now, there's, I'm not saying one way is right and one way is wrong. It's just for me, I have chosen to, to by and large, be, be an expository preacher because uh, to me it logically makes sense. I like to see the word in its context. I like to see what it meant to the people it was written to and the practical application of what it means to me today. And I love to communicate that. And so, by and large, that is the way that I preach. Today, I don't know if I'm going to preach. I'm just setting all that up so that you know that where we're going today is a little bit different than normal. Um, but I, I have something that I need to share with you. I have something that I feel like many of you are going to be able to identify with. And um, I know that, that uh, uh, the Lord speaks to us in dreams and visions, does he not? And he speaks to us through his word in various ways. Um, and for our family, for the last three years... Uh, ever since the about the time that Deb's sister passed away, from that time on, uh, we have had just a lot of of uh, tragedy and and hardship in our family with with the passing of her sister, and then my, both my both my parents died last summer within nine weeks of each other, and uh, and just so many things that happened along with that. Just a lot of things have have come and gone, and so. Uh, specifically within within about the last probably 18 months to two years, uh, we have experienced a, a storm. And that storm that our family has been in hit this place about a year, year and a half ago, something like that. And many of you begin to come around and say, wow, uh, this this has been going on in our life. Uh, we, we recognized it as... Uh, without trying to be super spiritual, we recognized it as an attack of the enemy because of where God is taking the ministries of our church and the opportunities we have uh, to be able to reach not just this city, but but our influence now is in a lot of places around the world, different places in the United States. You say, I didn't realize that. Well, the Lord has blessed our church uh, with the ability to be a part of the lives of missionaries who are all over the place and also other churches that are functioning in other states even, that we are influencing in the way that they are doing ministry. And so we know that the enemy wanted to come against that. He wanted to shut that down. And so, you know, not, oh, I don't know, not too long ago, I, I felt like maybe that the, that perhaps, hopefully, at least, that that chapter in the book was about over, that the storm's about to wrap up, but knowing that the end of the storm sometimes worse than the beginning, uh, you enjoy the eye every once in a while, but... But uh, anyway, so many of you can identify without me going into a lot of detail with, with what all is going on in your lives. And I have, I have stayed in contact with you. If you've come to me and said, wow, Pastor, it's amazing because while well, you've got these things going on, you should see what's going on in our life. You should see the, the things that are happening. And so there, it's not coincidental. Uh, I know life happens to everyone. I understand that. And life can be tough and life can be hard and all those kinds of things. But sometimes you just flat get attacked by the devil. I mean, let's, ju- let's just be honest about it. He is real. He is real. He does exist, and and I don't want to scare I don't want to scare anybody in here today uh, because we don't have to be afraid of him. But he is very real, 
and he has a definite agenda. And if you are a true Christian, a true believer of the word, if you are someone who is truly following Christ, then you are on his radar. may not be him specifically, but he has a whole bunch of, of, of devils that run with him. And you are on this radar screen and you are being targeted. Uh, if you are a, uh, a lackadaisical, non-committed Christian, Chances are, for the most part, you probably just kind of coast through life and don't understand so much what we're talking about. But if you ever take the battle to the enemy, then you realize what I'm saying because he will fight back and he fights hard and he, and he fights strong. And so today, I, I don't know about you, but I am at the place in my life where if it's all right with the Lord, I'm ready to walk in the mountaintops a little bit. And this week, the Lord gave me another dream. He's given me a lot of dreams lately, uh, visions. I don't know. I don't really understand it because the Scripture said in the end times, the young men had dreamed dreams, the old men had see visions, and I'm seeing dreams, and I know I'm not young. So, so uh, you know, I thought about it today. I thought, well, I'm not old yet. Maybe I still apply. I think I'm somewhere in the middle range there. Uh, but the Lord has given me a lot of dreams and given you dreams and confirmations and and visions and different things. And so uh, today I'm going to spend a few minutes, uh, I may, like I said, I may not preach, but I'm going to spend a few minutes sharing a dream with you that, the, that I had this week because I don't think that this dream was just for me. I set this up the way I did because I feel like so many of you can identify feeling as if you're in the same kind of a space. If you feel like that, that, you've, been, that you've been attacked by the devil and you've been in the storm, uh, within the last year or so, would you lift your hand just as an acknowledgement to the Holy Spirit to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen right now because I think I need to hear what this guy's about to say. Colossians 2.13, I love this passage of Scripture. It's, it sets something up for us here before we go any further. It says, you were once dead because of your failures and your uncircumcised corrupt nature. Talking about because of your sin. But God made you alive with Christ when he forgave all of our failures or when he forgave all of our sins. And he did this by erasing the charges that were brought against us by the written laws that God had established. So they were things that were laws and we had broken those laws. And he took the charges away or he took the sins away by nailing them to the cross. And he stripped the rulers and authorities of their power and made a public spectacle of them as he celebrated his victory in Christ. I love that. That's a passage that you ought to underline and mark and highlight and everything else. That is a word that if you ever get discouraged, just open up your Bible, point back to that one and say out loud, Hey, devil, take a look at this. Remember this. You've been made a public spectacle. We celebrate our victory in Christ. So all of the power of the enemy has been stripped away from him. Now, is he still powerful? Yes. Uh, he is very powerful. Uh, if you're just, if you don't believe me, uh, reading your scripture about the seven sons of Sceva who in mere, in their mere humanity without the power of the Holy Spirit decided to try to take him on and, and you'll find out what happened to those guys. They got sent in all directions, uh, really humiliated. It says that the, that the demon recognized who they were and said, we, you know, we, we don't, we know Paul, we know, we know Jesus, but we don't know you. And, and they got humiliated pretty badly. And so, yes, the enemy is very powerful, but he has absolutely no power uh, up to God. According to God, he is and has always been no competition. Somebody say amen. And then after the victory on the cross, what did Jesus do? First Peter 3, verse 22 says, Christ has gone to heaven. Where is Jesus? He has gone to heaven where he has the highest position that God gives. 
and angels and rulers and powers have been placed under his authority. What's that verse say? All angels, all rulers and all powers anywhere in the universe are under his authority. Revelation chapter 1 verse 17, the latter part of that verse and, the, and verse 18. Jesus says... Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last, the living and the dead. I are the living one. I was dead, but now I am alive forever. And notice this. I have the keys of death and hell. Satan has no keys to anything. Satan is the ruler of darkness. But that is a kingdom that has already been defeated and is powerless against our God. Now, I want to ask all of these men in this room a question. I know that I'm, uh, that I'm down here in the south and I know we have our guns and, and nobody's going to take them. Somebody say amen. But I, want, I just want to present a scenario to you guys that I know could never happen because we're all too big, strong, and tough to ever let this happen. I realize that. But just simply, hypothetically, walk down this road with me for a minute. What if someone, one evening while you were at your house with your family in your living room watching TV, someone kicked open your front door and you said, well, that's it right there. They're already shot. I said, hypothetically, hang on with me for a minute now. What if they kicked open your front door, walked into your house, took the keys to your house, then proceeded to walk throughout the whole house, taking every gun and every weapon that you had in that house to defend your family. How would you feel once they left and you had to sit down with your front door kicked off the hinges, no keys to your own house and it wouldn't matter anyway because the door isn't even on the hinges, and no weapons and you had to sit down and face your family humiliated defeated, just completely overcome. You would feel weak. You would feel humiliated. You would feel distraught. This is the way that Jesus did the devil. You understand that? This is the way that Jesus has done the enemy. In fact, Satan has never owned a key of any kind that was strong enough to defend himself from the power of Christ. The two greatest weapons Satan ever possessed was death and hell. So many people are rendered ineffective by their fear of those two things. Death and hell. Deb and I were visiting yesterday, and I mean no disrespect to this individual. He was an awesome guy. But several years ago, there was a man in our church, and he was, a, he was an elder man. A great guy. I loved him. He, but it was very sad because at the end of his life, he struggled so much. He would, he would come to the church every so often to have us pray for him because he was so afraid that his soul wasn't right with the Lord. I mean, this guy walked, he's faithful in God's house all the time, loved the Lord, walked with God. But he had been the product, I'm telling you, had been the product of teaching probably all of his life that said, if you think a bad word and die without repenting, you're going to hell. 
now it, it was that it's the product the old the old school uh old line teaching and preaching which which an ounce of precaution is better than a pound of cure i promise you but but that some of that old teaching did not give you very much hope it was if you if you're driving two minutes over the uh, your car two miles over the speed limit and you have a wreck and die, you're going straight to hell. You know, it was that kind of teaching. And so I thought it was so sad and we encouraged him and we prayed with him and continued to remind him of what the scripture said. If you believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you repented of your sins, then you are saved. You're born again. I mean, you you believe that you're born again. But so many Christians even walk through their life just scared to death, so afraid that something's going to happen and they're going to wind up in hell. The scripture teaches us that if you love Jesus and you've asked him to come into your heart, it's going to take something very powerful to keep you out of heaven. The Holy Spirit's going to continue to convict you and you're going to repent of those sins. You're going to be repentant of those sins. You're going to repent of those sins. And, and, and Jesus himself said, no one or no thing is going to take you out of my hand. You say, oh, you sound like you're preaching eternal security, Pastor. I am preaching that we are eternally secure as long as we want to be. That the person who is not going to go to heaven, who at one time knew Jesus, because I do believe in backsliding, is an individual who will go so far away from the Lord that they just don't hear his voice anymore. They don't ever come back. And because of that, they're going to be lost. But I'm going to tell you, I have walked away from the Lord during the time that I've been saved a couple of times. I got saved when I was seven. And I, by the time I was nine, I was mean. And by the time I hit 19, I was rough. Somebody say amen. Yet I believe all through that time that I knew I loved Jesus and I knew he loved me. And every night I'm, on, I'm, I'm in that bed and I'm praying, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry for my sins. Now, I think that the devil wants all of us to be afraid. He wants us to walk in the fear that, that something bad's going to happen because so many of us, all of our prayers are centered. They're not so much centered around, Lord, what are we going to do today in the spirit? What do you, who, who do you want me to, uh, who, what, what, what demon do you want me to attack today? Instead, our prayers sound like, oh, God, keep us, save us, keep us, keep us safe. Don't let nobody, don't let nothing happen to nobody. Don't let us get in any confrontation. Don't let us have to meet the devil. Don't let it. That's how our prayers look like. Make sure we got lots of money. Make sure we don't. That's how our prayers sound. Instead of, oh, Lord, I know that you own all things. I know that you're going to take, you have promised to supply all my needs according to your riches. And in, in light of that, I'm not even going to think about that. But God, today, I'm going to hell with a squirt gun and a switch to whip the devil with. That's the way we should be praying. But because the devil has had the opportunity, he has tried to put a fear in us that says, you need to be afraid of what ultimately? You need to be afraid. Something bad could happen to you. You could die. And what's worse, you could end up in hell. And that's death and hell. Which the scripture says, Jesus by his own mouth says, I have the keys to death and hell. Satan is sitting down there in his domain, which is not hell, by the way. He's not there yet. But Satan is sitting in this place right now, and he doesn't even have the keys to his own house. At any time, the child of God can walk into his place 
He doesn't have the keys to his own house. If he doesn't have the keys to the two things that would cause us the most fear, he certainly doesn't have the keys to anything else. Am I right? So far, you're with me. I had a dream. Monday night, actually, it was early Tuesday morning. And I ask you to please forgive me for talking about myself. I'd rather talk about you. But I just don't know as much about you as I do about me. I don't like... I don't like listening to people that just sit and talk about themselves all the time. I don't like to do that, and I know you don't either. But in order to tell you this dream today, I'm going to have to leave off with some of the ways that I normally communicate to share this with you. Will you allow me to do that today? Since I was a small child, I've had dreams about the devil. First time I ever dreamed about the devil, I was probably five years old. I remember the house we lived in. It was in Barrowville on Cisco Road. Dad built the house. And I remember one night having a dream where that mom and dad were in the kitchen area and I was in the back bedroom and the devil came to visit. And I remember he and I sitting around back there and I thought, this guy is all right. We talked. He was nice and he was kind. When the visit was over, I went out to the kitchen, and Mom and Dad said, what you been doing in the dream? I said, well, I've been back in the back bedroom visiting with the devil. I said, he's a really nice guy. And Dad said, no, he's not. He's a liar and a deceiver. Don't you ever think that way about him. As I got older, my dreams changed. As I got older, sometimes they weren't even dreams, Jerry. Sometimes they were actual events that would happen in the night. I would wake up. I would wake up, and again, I don't mean to frighten anyone because we, we, we have power over the enemy, but I just want you to understand. I would wake up, and he would actually be in my room. I woke up before with the devil at the end of my bed, standing there glaring at me. I woke up before with the devil looming over me, right where I'd wake up, and he's right here. I woke up with him with that dark presence all around me, and that I would actually be frozen. I couldn't move my arms. I couldn't move my. I don't know if anybody else ever had anything like that happen, but I'd wake up with that presence, a cold, clammy feeling in the entire room. It was very frightening, very frightening indeed. And I would lay there, and there were times where I couldn't do anything except think. I was so immobilized by the fear. Now I'm talking about as a grown man, these these things still happen. So immobilized by the fear that all I could do was think the name of Jesus. But I could remember that the word said that the name of Jesus, he had to flee. And so I would think the name of Jesus until I, until I got strong enough to whisper it. Until I got strong enough to say it. And by the time I could say it, he was gone. Because he can't abide in that place. Just remember that. You ever find yourself in a situation like that? You say, that's not ever going to happen to me. I'm telling you, well, maybe it won't. But if it ever does, remember what the, what the preacher told you. If you ever find yourself in communication with the devil and you don't know what to do, all you need is one word. Just use that word. In all the dreams I've ever had of the devil, though, I never went looking for him. He always came looking for me. In all the dreams I've ever had, it, it happened as a result of I'm just minding my own business and he shows up. Or I'm asleep at night and all of a sudden he's there with his hands around my throat. <laughs> Monday night, though, early Tuesday morning, I had a dream. It's different than anyone I've ever had. Some of you are going to think, man, this guy is really weird. Especially if you're guests, you're going to walk away and say, I went to that Trinity Fellowship the other day. Wow. That dude is, he's like, you know, 
was really messed up in his head. I think the guy's certifiable. I really do. So, I, in this dream, there were three major scenes. And the first scene was me in the devil's bedroom. I had taken off my belt and I was using the buckle end of the belt to beat his bed with it. And I was calling him every name that you can think of. I called him names. I called him out. I don't know. Forgive me all when I tell these old stories, but I don't know if any of you were like me. But before I got saved, I've done that before. But when when I was full of the devil, I was kind of ornery. And when I got upset with somebody, I could be pretty rough on them, try to get them to fight because I wanted them to so I could break them in half. And so I used to talk some serious trash. And in this dream, I was doing it again. It was like old times. I was calling him out. I was beating his bed with that belt. I was calling names and just rebuking anything I could think of trying to get a row out of him, but I never saw him. Heather was there with me. She was standing behind me and she said, Dad, you can't do that. And I pushed her behind me and kept on. Understanding that she wasn't against me, but that she felt the need to respect that force and that I was invoking something on us that I might not want to invoke. And I continued until the second dream. I was at a rock concert and there were, I just was guys, been a long time since I've been to one, but Van Halen in 1984 was pretty, pretty serious. And there at this rock concert, there were four members on the, on the stage and three of them, I could, I could see their faces, I could see their clothing, I could see their guitars, I could see everything about them. But the fourth one was kind of in the center. And he was the one everyone was clamoring to. No matter how much I tried, I couldn't make out anything about him. He was just darkness. He was just a dark shadow. He was the same size as the other people, but he was just a dark shadow. This was the one that everyone was trying to get to. He was up on an elevated stage with the rest and all the people wanted to get to him. And I immediately knew who he was. And so I pushed my way through the crowd until I got to the front of the stage and I picked up a two before. And knowing that I couldn't get to him, I stuck it up as high as I could to get it in his face. And I waved it in his face And you should have heard, I started again with that same torrent. Every name I could think of, call him out, talking about about his mama. I mean, everything that I could think to do, I did. And I remember he he never moved, he never ran, he never went anywhere. But he was just doing his dead level best to ignore me. He was just trying, just trying to, he was just trying to keep going. But I was just making his life miserable. This continued until the third scene. At this point, I and another fellow were up in a mountain pass. It was 
these mountains were untouched. There were no power lines. There were no roads, no paths. Just crystal blue sky, pristine, clear, beautiful mountains. And one little bitty narrow path that only he and I were on as we were making our way through this mountain pass. And he said to me, how did you know this path was here? And I said, because I've been here before. And then I woke up. When I woke up, Deb said, are you awake? And I said, yeah. And guess what? That presence I felt was there. Cold and eerie. My throat was parched. I was tired. I was weary. She said, have you been having a dream? And I said, yeah. She said, tell me about it. And I told her. And She said, I woke up and I heard you. And she said, I started to wake you up. And the Holy Spirit said, don't touch him. And she said, I could hear you. And she said, I knew you were fighting. Because she said you were grumbling and you were, she said you were mumbling and, and, and panting, she said. And you, she said, I knew you were in a fight. And she said, I wanted to hear who you were talking to. So she said, I listened real close, but she said, I could hear the words, but they were in another language. And I couldn't tell what you were saying. But she said, I knew you were in a fight. So I laid there for a little while after that, after I said the name of Jesus a few times to clear out the room. Because <laughs> I'm still not that big and bad, and I know, my, I know without the Lord what kind of shape I'm in. And I wondered about what it meant. And I think that the reason I share this with you today is because I believe that so many of you the Lord gave it to me. He may have given it to you too. It was amazing as we discussed this in staff that the night before I had my dream, both Randy and Christina had had a similar dream in the same night as mine in their life. So we knew that it was the Holy Spirit speaking to us as a staff and that that needs to be spoken to to our church because of where we are. I feel like that this is what it means. And this is to those of you that are in that middle of that storm or in that tough place. My fear was real because the devil is real. And he's very powerful. Heather warned me to respect that power. And she was right to do so because in my own strength, I would have been in a lot of trouble. The only reason why I did not follow her advice in the dream is because I was in a different place. I was not in my flesh. I was in the spirit and in the spirit I can fight. So I feel like that that is why I woke up with that presence who wants me to be afraid. But I'm not. The bedroom was his own personal space. It was his most guarded, private stronghold. And I was there as an intruder. 
And I disrespected him in his very own private place. The concert was a public place where he is worshipped. And I disrespected him there too. And I rebuked him in that place where others were worshipping him. The mountain pass is a place that few people ever go for whatever reason. The only ones who are there are the ones who have been through terrible battles in the spirit. And now they know how to go through that place and how to help others when they're there. You say, well, maybe that's why I'm going through what I'm going through, Pastor. Is it because the Lord is going to use me to help someone else? Yes, very definitely. There's no question that that is what's happening. That all of our experiences are to make us who we are, to get us where we're going, and to help others get there as well. And so, when you find yourself having gone through a very difficult test or trial... It lends you the experience to be able to counsel a witness and minister to somebody else later on who will be in that same place. But my question was, why did the devil not just leave the stage and destroy me? I laid there for a long time and I thought about that. Until the Holy Spirit impressed me with a thought. He said, when the devil looked out and saw me, He wanted to kill me. But he couldn't. And I said, why, God? And he said, because you couldn't see, but I was standing behind you in the dream. You were looking forward and you were in the fight and I was behind you. And as you were rebuking and disrespecting him, he wanted to attack you. And he would have, except when he looked at you, I was behind you. And he couldn't touch you. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you can go anywhere you want to go because he can't touch you. God is not intimidated at all by the devil. He's not afraid of his lies or his threats or his rebellion. I always try to give you application to the word. And so here are the here's the three things I want to leave you with, basically in the form of 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 three sentences. If you're one of God's children You can go anywhere God sends you. And the devil can't stop you. You can do anything God tells you to do. And the devil can't stop you. You can be anything God has called you to be. And the devil can't stop you. That's your message for the day. It's about that simple. That's all I want you to remember. If you don't remember anything else when you leave here today, I want you just to remember based on what we read earlier on the text that I gave you. Basically, that is the answer to it. You can go, you can do, and you can be anything that God says and the devil can't stop you. He can't touch you. Because he doesn't even own the keys to his own house. That's why Philippians 4.13 is so powerful to us when it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Without him, I'm like a little rag doll in the mouth of a big dog. Just being shook and thrown. Bitten and twisted. 
But when I walk with Jesus and the Holy Spirit resides in me, the scripture says I am a powerful warrior, that I'm actually more than a conqueror, and that I am an ultimate overcomer. I want you to remember what we talked about last week. Some of you remember that, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, that says, let us come boldly, therefore, to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Coming boldly in the power that God has given us and learning to walk in the mountaintops. I'm ready to walk in that pristine mountaintop again. Out of this, aren't you? I didn't tell Deb this yesterday. She was at the grocery store. I was sitting in the car. And I was missing my babies. They've moved a long way away. And I remember uh, one of the, within that last week or so that they were here, me and little Sophie were down in the floor. And we were playing. I mean, we played everything. Anything she wanted to play, we played. She said it, we played it. I had my mind made up that this was the most important thing that I could ever do that day. And she had my undivided attention. And we, we colored and we, we uh, pasted stickers and we told jokes and we made up songs. And I mean, we just did everything. And I don't want to cry, but I, sometimes I do. She said, one, at one point, it, we, she just stopped and she looked up and she said, Poppy, we're having so much fun. Let's just keep playing. I said, all right. And as I sat in the truck yesterday, I thought, how long has it been since I felt that way about anything? We're having so much fun. Let's just keep playing. Instead, it has been a constant kick in the face here, kick in the gut there, right? Everywhere he can attack, he has attacked. Am I right? Has it been that way for you? Anything he can do, he's done. And I find myself saying, oh, I just want to say to the Lord, we're having so much fun. Let's just keep playing. But God, I can't really at this point, I'm not trying to whine and cry. I'm just relating to you. I can't think of anything that anybody would say right now that would cause me to get excited. I don't want to go nowhere. I don't want to do nothing. I just, you know, have you ever been like that? I love people. I just don't want to be around them. Now, that's not you. If somebody said, let's go here, or let's go there. I'd be like, I don't want to. And I think the Holy Spirit's speaking to us today and saying, it's time to go into the enemy's camp and take back all the fun we used to have, the joy and the peace, the victory. We never lost it. We've never lost it. We just allowed him to break in and take to his house what belonged to us. But the, but the Holy Spirit said the other night, we can go back. We can go right back into the inner chamber that he guards the heaviest. He don't have a key to keep us out because of who's going with us. It's time for us to go back into his camp and get all the stuff he took from us and take it back and enjoy a new season. And I don't know how many of you 
feel like that word applies to you. But if you do, stand to your feet. Is that your word? Stand to your feet. Are you ready? Are you tired? Are you tired? You say, Pastor, I never lost my joy. I've always had my joy. But I'm going to tell you something. Every once in a while, that you're not, you might have joy, but you don't have happy. They don't go together, do they? You don't have happy. You don't have fun. You know there's a deep-seated peace in there, but sometimes you don't have it. Am I right? It's time to worship the Lord, but sometimes you don't feel like it. Katie talked about it on Wednesday night. He said, you know, we have to worship the Lord. We worship our way out of situations, and sometimes we have to worship God, and we don't feel like it, and we don't have anything to bring, and we just have to bring the sacrifice. Uh, Berna talked about that. We just have to bring the, sometimes we don't have nothing else. we got to bring the sacrifice of praise. And we continue to do that. I wish I could say to you today that the storm is officially over. It has blown on through and we're done. And for some of you that may be the case. For others, I don't know. I don't know. But here's what I know. Regardless of what is happening or going to happen. God has given us an assurance this week. Through his word and a dream. That we can go. We can be. And we can do. And the enemy just can't stop us. He's tried to distract. He's tried to discourage. He's tried to destroy. Why? Because that's his, that's his resume. That's his job description. That's what he does. And he's tried to do it. But guess what? You're still standing. Look at you. You're here. You worshipped earlier. You cried. You lifted your hands. You blessed the Lord. You've heard his word. And you're standing right now in his presence. The devil can't stop you. He can't stop you. The abundant life that God has for us, I'm convinced, is over there. But it's not just over there. It's here too. It ain't all going to be fun and games, but there's going to be some seasons of fun and games, Greg. It's not always going to be what it is right now. But what we need to do today is remind the devil it don't matter what he tries to do or what he tries to say. Whatever he tries to do to us, it doesn't matter anymore because God has given us a word. He's given us a dream. He's given us a promise and we're going to win. And we're going to celebrate. And we're coming out of this thing victorious. Throw both of your hands up in the air right where you're standing. And just say, Lord, I received this word this morning. I received this word. He has tried to attack my health. He has tried to attack my family. He attacked my money. He attacked the relationships of people closest to me. And God, I've had it. I have had it. I'm taking my belt off, Lord. And I'm going into his camp. I have come, God, to, to disrespect and call him out. I have come to rebuke him in the name of Jesus. I have come to take back what he stole from me. I have come to come in the power of the Holy Spirit. The keys have been taken from him and given to me. He can't touch me because God's standing behind me. I'm going in his strength and in his power. I take back right now everything that the enemy has tried to steal from me. God, right now in this room. 
dump out your peace, dump out your rest, and dump out joy. And let them begin to reign in this place. I pray like a thundercloud, a clap of thunder. Open up a cloud and begin to dump these things out upon these people. Right now, Lord, as we receive your word, set us free in your spirit. Enemy can't bind us up. Set us free. God, we're right on the verge. We're on the verge of greatness. We're on the verge of greatness. Set this people free, I pray, Jesus. Walk through this room. Show them that there are no chains. There are no bonds on them. There's not anything the devil can do. Set free from addictions right now. You came to bind up the brokenhearted and to set the captive free. Lord, there are people in the room right now who don't know you. They don't have to leave here the way they came. They don't have to leave here discouraged and depressed and lost and confused and hurting. God, in this moment, in this moment, in this season, in this time, right now, Lord, I pray that you'll just bring them to yourself. Bring them to yourself. These altars are open, guys, and all this church is open. We're going to turn this into a time of prayer. Neil's going to lead us in a song, and I want you just to focus on the word you've been given, the dream that God has given us, and I want you to rebuke that devil, and I want you to claim your victory, and I don't want you to leave until you take back, until you go in there and take your belt off and work him over. Don't leave today. Amen? Can that be our deal? You, you utilize this time. You say, well, we don't have time. We've got another service. That's why we scheduled them this way. We're not ever going to rule out the opportunity for the Holy Spirit. If this service rolls right into the next one, won't that be awesome momentum? I am not the least bit worried about time. We're going to stay in this room until we whip the devil today. Don't you leave until he's whipped and good. Amen. Take your victory today. Take your victory today. Hallelujah.
stands behind the God of angel armies is always by my side. usually give you homework but we are going back to school Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 the verses before and the verses after read those when you get a chance Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 and the verses before amen <clears throat> 